Listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. is a fantastic way of contact. How many of you are on Facebook, by the way? Facebook is a fantastic way of keeping contact with people. I have friends all over the world on Facebook, and it's a way of me being able to share with them on my trips particularly what's going on. I can preach in Pakistan, I can put it on Facebook, and somebody in America can see it almost instantly. And so it's it's a wonderful tool to use. But how many of you know that it's also a pain in the neck? How many of you know when you go into a coffee shop, one of my friends who lives up in the north of America said she went into a coffee shop a few weeks ago and she saw a group of girls, about five girls, sitting around a table. And years ago, when you go in, young girl, teenage girls sitting around a table would be laughing, they'd be joking, they'd be slapping each other, they'd be talking about guys, they'd be doing all that sort of thing, but it was totally silent. Why was it totally silent? Because every one of those five was not having a conversation with any of the other five. Well, they might have been, but they were doing it by Facebook. I know a lot of people who ask their kids to come to a meal. They're upstairs in their room, but they send them a text. Don't answer me now if that's you. (laughs) But we live in a digital world. And Facebook, it really tells people about you. It's not to find out information. It's to tell people about you. And the problem I find with it is that everything, you know, someone will put on, I'm going to bed now. Who cares? I'm just about to have a coffee. Good night, world. Or, or, or my favorite, or my least favorite, is when people put these dark date nights on Facebook. I'm having a date night with my hot wife. Or Who cares? Just go enjoy it. Don't put it on Facebook. But what happens is we put all the nice things on Facebook. And we have this impression that everybody's nice. If somebody puts on something that they've just won a competition or they've just been promoted, then you'll get a hundred comments after that, depending on how many people they know. Tell them how they deserve this. Oh, you're so special. You come from a wonderful family. You're just so lovely. We love you. My heart breaks for you. I want to be with you, blah, blah, blah. And it makes me sick. Because it's such a false environment. Now, I want to deal with that a little bit this morning from three characters. There are three of them. One's called Gideon, one is called Hagar, and one is Jairus' daughter. We don't know her name. And I want to go through this quickly with you this morning and just to give you some idea of what I think God is saying. Does he ever zone out? Now, the first one, I just, did, I've, I've just found that they were on Facebook. It's amazing that they were so many thousand years ago, but here you go. This is uh, Gideon. Gideon uh, says, says this, had a, had a visit from an angel today. He just appeared in the wine press. I was freaked out. We had an argument, and I don't think he was really listening to me. He told me I was a mighty warrior. Warrior? Can't spell either. And could he not see that I was 
hiding in here. I complained at the way God was abandoning us. And he just kept on telling me to go and fight and free Israel. Wow, he just ignored me and didn't seem interested in the fact that I'm a bit depressed and feeling a bit low, in fact. He just went on and on and on. He didn't seem to care that I only had three likes on my selfie earlier on. I feel a bit discouraged. This is Gideon. Now look on the next one here because I put a scripture in Judges chapter 2 from verse 12 to verse 16. And here is the passage where uh, Judges chapter 6, sorry. Judges chapter 6, verse 12 to 16. I want to read this and follow it through, please, with me this morning. And I want you to see something. This is uh, where God speaks to Gideon. The angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Gideon, said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Now just look at what I've done after that. If you look just on the next one, I've actually written it out again, but changed it slightly. And I'm going to read it to you again, but this time I'm going to isolate the conversation. And what I've done basically is taking out the words that God said, and I'm going to read them to you. Here's what God said. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Now that makes sense. That's what God says. Now look after that. I'm highlighting what Gideon says. He said, Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us, delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm least in my father's house. If now I've found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. When you look at it that way, it's actually, it seems like there are two conversations going on. One from God and one from Gideon. And both conversations make total sense, isolating them on their own. So it it appears as if God is not listening to Gideon. It appears as if God is saying something and Gideon is putting in excuses, but God ignores his excuses and continues to say what he wants to say. Now bear that in mind. I'm going to build up a picture here for you. Build that up in mind as I, as I turn to Hagar. If you turn on to the, the next one, you'll see uh, I've done a little Facebook of, of Hagar as well. And the, the background to this one is that Hagar is the father, the mother of Ishmael. Remember what happened was Abraham and Sarah, God promised Abraham and Sarah that they would have a child. And it just wasn't happening. 
He's, they're both old, and so they, how is it going to happen for Sarah? And so what Sarah does is she takes her handmaiden, her slave, her servant, a lady called Hagar. She gives her to Abraham, her husband, and says, listen, you have a child with her. I will then take the child as my, my son. And that's what happened. So it was Sarah's idea. And then God spoke and said, it won't be through Ishmael, but it will be through one from your own body. And so Sarah gets pregnant. She has, gives birth to a boy, call him, calls him Isaac. And when he's dedicated, at the dedication service, that's where we come into the story. Ishmael is 13 years old. And while, while he's been dedicated, Sarah looks over and sees Ishmael. And Ishmael, he's making some faces He's scowling, she says. I don't know if it's a hormonal moment for her or what's happening. But as she looks at him, she says to Abraham, I want you to get rid of this woman. I want you to get rid of this boy. I want you to send them away because God's promised that, that uh, the promises will be through Isaac. And Abraham's upset because it's his son. But God speaks to Abraham and says, I want you to listen to your wife. So he sends Hagar away. He sends Ishmael away. And here's her Facebook uh, little page as well if you can stick it on for me there this is Hagar and if you look at just enlarge it a little bit I've done this a little bit tongue-in-cheek if you can go on to the next one there you'll find it this this is what it actually says this is this is uh, Hagar awful day that ugly rat bag Sarah hit her guts she got old AB to throw me out today I'm cold hungry fed up and got nowhere to go I eventually unfriended her but nobody stood up for me who's going to look after at ish underscore Abraham how is he ever going to play for Chelsea now share this with your friends and see if someone can give us a room for a few nights I've been crying to God but he doesn't seem to be listening right now why does he not answer me sorry I got carried away when I was doing this there But look at the scripture. The scripture that that goes with this is Genesis 21. Now have a look at this. And I want you to notice something. I'm coming to why I'm speaking this morning, the theme. She says, she went and sat down across from him. That's Ishmael. Because she went away. Abraham told her to go away. At a distance of about a bow shot. For she said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite him, lifted her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the lad. Then the angel of God called out to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, What ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Now here's the question I want you to ask. Sometimes we complain to God, like Gideon did, and said, God, look at me. Look at, look at where I'm from. Look at my home. Look at my shape. Look at my intelligence. Look at my certificates. Look at my finances. Look at my bank account. Look at my home. We can say things like that, like Gideon did. I'm from a weak clan. And God seems to ignore what we're saying. In this situation here, look at what it says. God in verse 17, look at it. God heard the voice of the lad. Whose voice did he hear? He heard the voice of the lad. But look at the verse previously. Whose voice was crying? Hagar's voice was crying. Who was the lad? The lad was the promise of God to Hagar. Every woman in those days, as as most do today, but certainly in the day when Hagar and Sarah were alive, it was a disgrace not to have a child. I know that's wrong, but that's the way it was. A woman proved her value by the children she produced. That's, That's just the life, the way it was in those days. And so Hagar's prayer would have been as a young girl... I want to have a child. I don't know how it'll ever happen. I want to have a child. Never expected it to be through her master. Of course she didn't. But that's the way it came. And so to her, 
Ishmael was the love of her life, but Ishmael was also the promise of her life. And when she's left in a situation where she looks at her son and her son's going to die, she cries out to God. But it says in verse 17, God heard the voice of the lad. It doesn't even say that the lad cried out. Do you see that? It does not say God heard her voice, but we know God isn't deaf. So we know that God did hear her voice. But we've got to be people of the scripture who look at what the scripture says. And it says that God heard the voice of the lad. Then the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven, said to her, What ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. So it's the promise that God hears. So when God spoke to Gideon and said, you're a mighty man, you're a mighty man of valor, go and save Israel. Gideon, he then says, ah, but I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not the other thing. And God ignores him. What God needed him to say was, yes, I am a mighty man of valor. And then God would have interacted with him. Now with that in mind, I want you to turn on to Mark chapter 5. And I'm building a picture here. Mark chapter 5 is the story of Jairus and Jairus' daughter. And I'm going to read through a little bit of it. You can put on uh, Jairus' daughter's Facebook page there as well and just leave it on that for a moment. She's obviously been to Aquatic. I don't know how she did it, but there you go. Mark chapter 5. Let me read a few verses to you. And I'll stop as I read through it. And I want you just to, to see this. Mark chapter 5 verse 21 says, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side... A great multitude gathered to him and he was by the sea. Do you see that? A great multitude. Is that a lot of people? That is a lot of people. A great multitude. They crowded around Jesus. So much so Jesus could hardly move sometimes. That's the way they treated him. But then it says, Behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. When he saw him, he fell at his feet. Kathy and I were in Hobby Lobby a couple of weeks ago. We were walking through Hobby Lobby and walking down one side of the shop, we both stopped at the same time and turned around and stared at two women. That's not a good thing to do. I'm glad I wasn't on my own because I get into trouble staring at women. But I I walked uh, and turned around and stared at these two women. And uh, we we both looked at each other. And then I went over and I, I I said to them, excuse me. And they turned and they looked at me wondering why I had stopped them. I said, excuse me, where are you from? She says, I'm from a little town called Fintana in County Tyrone in Northern Ireland. I said, I know that. I said, my sister lives in that town. What was it? When I was walking up the aisle, what was it? What happened that made me? I don't stop people in America and tap them on the shoulder and start asking them questions. As I was walking past them, I recognized the voice. I recognized the accent. And my sister lives. I'd been in that place just a few weeks ago. So I knew exactly where she was from. Now you would be the same if you traveled down to to Orlando or traveled into another country and you meet somebody from Louisiana. Well, you'd know it by the thing that, because if if anything's dead in Louisiana, you stick stick it in in some deep fat fries, stick it in the oven and you'll eat anything. I know that's what happens down here. But if you hear their voice, you'll know they're from the south Southern states, am I right? You'll recognize somebody who's from, you might even recognize, you're from Baton Rouge. I, there's a, a partic- I can't tell it, but I bet there's a particular twang from Baton Rouge that's different from Orleans. Am I right? So I stopped this lady, she's from just down the road from my sister, because I recognized her voice. 
Now in this story where in Mark chapter 5 it says that, that Jesus, he got out of the boat. And there's a man that falls at his feet. In verse 23 says, he begged him earnestly saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Now lots of people were probably sick that day. Lots of people were probably in trouble. But then he says something else. She lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so she may be healed and she will live. And Jesus suddenly, he, he perks up and says, Oh, 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 somebody's speaking my language. He recognized the language. Because you see, there were hundreds of people around him. When we read this story, I've always read it as if there's a sort of a vacuum in front of Jesus and Jairus comes and, and everybody walks out of the way. Oh, this is Jairus. Listen, if a famous person came in here, Jesus was the most famous person that lived in that day. When a, if a famous person walked in, if I don't know who's famous in America. Say Justin Bieber for some of the younger ones. If he walked into a room, you wouldn't all stand back. Oh, I'm not going to go and see him because I'm going to wait until Pastor Pete goes and sees him. You would run out. Now, this is Jesus. And so there are hundreds of people. The guy falls on his feet. And he says, if you put your hands on my daughter, she will not die. She will live. Jesus' ears. I I hear somebody speaking my language. And so he says, I will come with you. I will come with you. Verse 24. Jesus went with him. A great multitude followed around him and thronged him. Now a certain, then it says, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. Having suffered many things for many physicians, she'd spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd, touched his garment, for she said, verse 28 there, if only I may touch his clothes, I will be made well. She said, she spoke. If I t- Jesus stops, power goes out of him. He stops, he says, who touched me? Disciples said, there are hundreds of people around you. What are you talking about? Who touched you? Everybody's touching you. No, 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 no. There's somebody speaking my language. So he stops. He says to her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Do you know in a crowd of people this morning, in a church like this, in this service or in the next service, you know there's lots of people calling and praying out to Jesus. But he hears you. He'll hear you in the midst of a crowd if you speak the right language. The problem is we're so Facebook orientated that we speak nonsense language. We just say nice things. God isn't interested in nice things. God isn't a nice God. He just doesn't listen to us when we speak nice things or positive things. He listens to us when we speak his things. When we speak his word, you get his attention every time. So we got attention of this, of this lady and she's healed. But it's the next verse that I want you to look at because if you look at, at uh, verse Whereas at verse uh, 35, while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. And that's the verse, this verse here. Over, this is the Amplified. And I've done it this way because it brings out the fullness of the real message in the story. He, he puts, it's two together. Overhearing, the people said, don't bother Jesus The girl is dead. Overhearing, but ignoring what they said. Are there any times that God will ignore you? Yes, there are, because you speak such nonsense sometimes. He has to ignore you. Overhearing, but ignoring what they said. Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear. Only keep on believing. Do not be afraid. Only believe. And then look at what happened after that. 
It says, verse 37, he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, John, the brother of James. James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, saw a tumult, and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Verse 40, they ridiculed him. They ridiculed him. And the world will ridicule what you're doing this morning. The world will ridicule if you say you're a person of faith. The world will ridicule you if you say you're believing God for something. And they ridiculed him. And then you look at the next verse. It says, when he had put them all outside, he took Peter, James, and John, and the mother and father of the child. He went in. He shut the door. And then he spoke to the girl and said, Talitha Kumi, little girl, I say to you, arise. The girl got up. And it's the Bible says that she was 12 years old. Now here's her Facebook page here. I found she was on Facebook as well. It's amazing. You stick on the next one for me there. I think it's her. It should be just what she said. That's it. Just the next one enlarges it a little bit. Crazy day today. Started off dead. (laughs) Guy called Jesus. Called me back in my bedroom. I heard the neighbors complaining about him as he put them all outside and closed the door. They were screaming that I was dead to stop wasting my dad's time. But he just like ignored them and shouted to me like amazing. When we, if we want to get the attention of God, if I listen to Facebook, if I listen to what Christians are saying today, purely through Facebook, I would think that God was only a God who loved me, who cared for me, who would never dream of saying anything to me that wasn't nice and lovely and sweet, and that he just wants to buy me candy. And he wants to say nice things to me at all times. There are some times when I say things that are so stupid that God says you and I are having no further conversation until you get back into what I told you to do and get back into what I told you to say. So in a Facebook generation, it's actually dangerous to just believe that God is a nice God. Because when something awful happens, we can't cope with it. When something difficult that we go through, we can't handle it. Because surely God wouldn't. And we're binding the devil up here, there, and everywhere. Let me tell you this. God will speak to you. And God will speak to me. And the Bible says that when God speaks, it's like the rain. Isaiah 55 says, it's like the rain that comes down from heaven. It'll not return to heaven. So it's meant to return to heaven. It will not return to heaven without watering the ground so that the buds will grow, the shoots will grow, the fruit will grow. That's what the rain and the sunshine are there for. And that water cycle that you learned in school years ago. That's, he says it's the same with my word. God will give us his word. And it was always intended to go back to him. We give it back to him when we sing. We give it back to him when we pray. We give it back to him when we speak to one another in psalms and songs and When we prophesy, when we learn the word of God, we give him back what God has said to us. What I want to encourage you this morning is this. It's a very simple message, but maybe one of the most important is that I can't look at you and I can't look at somebody somewhere else in the church and say the way God has spoken to you, the way God has called you is the way that God will call me. Because it's not. Because God has got a unique way of speaking to you. He'll use his words. But he has a unique thing that he's calling you to do. And so what I encourage people to do is to take the word of God, to listen to him, to take some time out whereby we can 
can settle ourselves to hear him and then God will speak to you. God spoke to me a number of years ago when I was pastoring. I was working in the northeast of England. Before I'd ever gone to Norwich, I was working in the northeast of England. And I was in my office one day. I'd been traveling. I'd, I don't know where I was heading. I was just about to go to Africa, to Ghana. And as I was sitting in my office, what I did was I was working as a pastor. I was always working as, as a missionary. And so I traveled, come back. When I came back, I had a pile of things on my desk to do. Someone would say to me, have a day off. If anybody says you have a day off, it's someone who's never traveled. Because if you travel through time zones, a day off doesn't really do it. Because sometimes I just don't know where I am. But God spoke to me very clearly through Joshua chapter 1 verse 14. Basically, it's the two and a half tribes in Israel. God spoke to them and he said this. Go across the Jordan. Help your brothers possess their land. When you've done that, you can come home. That was what God said to me. So I resigned as a pastor and I believed, okay, God's told me to go and travel. That's all he's told me to do. He didn't ha- I didn't have to debate it with him. I didn't have to work on it. It was something Kathy and I just, we'd resolve when God speaks to us, we'll do it. I didn't have to raise anything. I didn't have to campaign for anything. I just went and we did it. We've been doing that really since then. But that's the word God's given to me. God at this moment in time hasn't told me to stop somewhere and to be a pastor somewhere and work with a particular group of people. I'm going across helping my brothers. That's my word. Now when the enemy comes at me and he says to me, but you can't afford to do it. When the enemy comes and says, how are you going to provide for your family? When I give, it's the word that I give him. I give the enemy the word. Let's look at a few of these verses. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night. That's not meditating on Facebook. That's meditating on the word of God. That you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. For you shall make your way prosperous. Then you shall deal wisely and have good success. Look at the next one. John 15 verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. What's that's abiding in you? His words abide in you. You will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. Look at the next one. There's about four of these, I think. This is what God said to Timothy. This is a prophecy. This isn't the word as it's printed. This was the prophecy. God said, through Paul, said to Timothy, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. A lady came to me in Belfast a number of years ago. I'd started traveling a lot more, and she said to me, she said, Kingsley, God's calling you to go out. This is a lady, by the way, I trust. It's not somebody off the street that just walked in. She, she said to me, God is calling you into deeper water where there are many fish. But when you go there, she said, there will be many that will walk away from you, and they'll go back to the shore. They are not your responsibility. In the deep water, you will not be seen, but God has called you there. Now, there have been times when I've gone off to some of the countries I go to, and I've been desperately lonely. And I've remembered that prophecy. God said, I want you to go out into deep water. There'll be some will leave you, and there have, but I've called you there. So by the prophecy, you make warfare, and you say to the devil, devil, this has been spoken over my life. I think there's probably one more. Is there one more up there? Here we go. This is the the last verse this morning. Above, this is talking about the the warfare. Last week, you talked about spiritual warfare and about how you need to stand firm. I imagine you'll have talked about the the armor of God and how we put on the whole armor of God. But this is the, the, the second part of this armor. Above all, taking the shield of faith, 
with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, this morning, I'm talking about the sword of the Spirit. That's what will change your life, and that's what will change your work. It's what will change the people where you live at work. It will transform your life. And so I'm encouraging people everywhere, in our Facebook or Instagram or Twitter generation, where we're fed sound bites and where it sounds good and it looks good. It may well sound good and look good, but you're not going to say to the devil, in the name of Facebook, get out of here. You're not going to put on a quote from some Twitter. It's not going to do anything. It's the word of God that will cause the attention. With Gideon, he said to him, he spoke to him, he spoke to him, he spoke to him. Gideon ignored everything. That he said, ah, but look at me, look at my circumstances, look at my hope. God is a compassionate God, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that God isn't interested. In our Thanksgiving week, of course he wants us to help people. But God is not moved purely. In fact, he said to his disciples once, he said, the poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. What is he talking about there? The voice of God, the speaking of God, right next to him. You may not always have me, but you'll always have the poor with you. So we have got to realize that when Gideon started giving excuses, God seemed to ignore him. He says, you're a mighty man of valor. You will defeat the enemies. You will be successful. And the interesting thing in that story is that God did not bring Gideon out of the wine press. When God was finished speaking, he finished speaking. Gideon came out of the winepress. Hagar, God, it says he heard the voice of the promised lad. Now, I'm sure he heard her voice, but that wasn't what moved him. In fact, in in Exodus chapter 2, verse 24, when the people in Egypt, the slaves in Egypt, it says they cried out to God, and it says there that God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant. So what moved God to save his people wasn't the groaning, wasn't his compassion, it was his covenant. That's what moves God. And when Jesus was walking along, having come off the sea, and and this man Jairus comes along and starts speaking, there were probably loads of Jairuses, similar people, shouting all sorts of things at him. Come to my house for tea. Come and do this. Come and do that. But he says, as soon as he heard, you place your hands on her, she will not die, she will live. Jesus said, hey, there's somebody in this land who understands the language of faith. And it's the same with the the, the lady. And I've discovered, I went to Guatemala, and finish with this, I went to Guatemala a few years ago. First time I visited there, the pastor, uh, 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 Pastor Gomez, so he speaks Spanish. And I was in this place where I, I didn't speak any Spanish then at all. And I was sitting in this home, about 10 people in the room with me. I don't, the pastor must have went out somewhere, I don't know. But I remember sitting there facing these people. And they tried to talk to me. They couldn't speak a word of English. I tried to talk to them. And after you've said hello, goodbye, and, and the, the few things that everybody knows... You then, they looked at me, I looked at them and smiled. You can say some things with a smile, but communication then stopped. And I thought, here I am, I've got the most important message in the world, and I cannot communicate it. And I felt very frustrated. And God, when he looks at us, it says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the earth? God is looking for those who will speak the language that he speaks and that's the language of faith. Now, this morning, you might have, been t- you might have come from a tough week. You might have come from a week where, 
I don't know, get up in the morning, you tell, every, you tell God everything that's wrong, you complain about your wife, your husband, your children, your parents, and then you complain about the car you've driven, now you kick it, it doesn't work again, your computer, you kick it. Listen, I know, I'm there. I've been there. I, I shout at more computers than, than anybody. And, and then you, read, you catch yourself on and you think, hold on, um, good morning, God. And then God zones in, opens his eyes again, and we're having conversation. There are times when God, I believe, from the, this message this morning, that God will move out from your room, he'll shut the door, and he'll say, listen, we'll continue this conversation when you start speaking a language that I can understand. So this morning, I want to encourage you, folk here this morning, let's speak in the language he's spoken to us. And if you've heard God, maybe years ago, something God said to you, speak to him in that language. Father, I thank you this morning for your presence with us here in, the, in this place. Thank you for the privilege of knowing you. And thank you, God, we serve a God who is a good shepherd, who, who the Bible says speaks to his sheep. And thank you, Lord, that you've promised that your sheep will hear your voice. And so I pray this morning, please forgive us when we have waffled on about nonsense to you, when we've complained like Gideon and said, we're not this, we're not that, we're not the other thing. Help us, Lord, I pray here in this church, in this neighborhood, in this community. like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.